Stephanie LeBay's superstar goalkeeper that helped us win the gold medal at the Olympics against Sweden in penalty kicks. You might remember that from August of 2021. I know it feels like ages ago. She's since retired and is now the general manager of the Vancouver Whitecaps. But a lot of attention is being focused on the idea of a national women's soccer league. We're one of the rare leading nations in women's soccer that doesn't have our own league. We've never given our own players, our own athletes, the chance to play at home. Well, they'll get that in 2025. We ask her how it's going to work, what some of the concerns might be about getting it up and running, and what some of the upside is as well, because there's a lot of it. We talked to Stephanie LeBay on Toronto Today. This is really, really something. And uh, and I, I've seen a lot of prototypes before. I've seen a lot of plans, uh, Stephanie. I think hearing Christine Sinclair say she'd been working for her whole career just for an opportunity like this. And I know that's very up in the air, whether she might play a year in 2025. Um, but that really drove it home um, to me with, with the out, you know, the outpouring of emotion from a lot of the former players like yourself, like Christine, who just tried to push so hard for this in previous years. It's too late for some, but it's finally coming to fruition for, uh, for young girls and current players everywhere. Yeah, it's it's been a long time coming. And, you know, for someone like Christine, who is the greatest Canadian soccer player that we've ever had, um, you know, the greatest goal scorer in international scoring, man or woman um, on this planet, like for someone like her um, to not have ever had the chance to play professionally in her home country, it just blows your mind. Um, so, you know, for someone like her to be saying this, that she's waited her whole career, it just like, it breaks my heart that someone like her hasn't had that opportunity. And that's what we want to fight for to continue to change, to give opportunities to Canadians, to have this dream, to, to live out this life that almost every, any other soccer player around the world has the chance to do. Did you ever feel maybe in the last decade with all, all your travels and, and all the national teams triumphs? that this was close behind the scenes, that it just needed a box to be checked here or a yes instead of a maybe here? Was it ever, it was never like this, I know, but was it ever close in the last decade to get this off the ground? To be honest, no. Um, we've never heard of anyone doing, <clears throat> sorry, doing any work on it. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk. There's been a lot of inspiration. There's been a lot of people saying, this is what we need. This is what we have to do to continue to move forward. But no one's taken it beyond that. Uh, and I think that's what, you know, the time right now, timing is everything. And this is an incredible time to be doing this, to be launching this, to be talking about this and to actually be putting the words into action. Diana Matheson took it into her own hands to start the work last year after she retired and the work that she has done behind the scenes. Um, I can't even express how many hours she has invested into this, how much money she's invested into this of her own, like to get this off the ground. And then, you know, other players like Christine coming on board um, in terms of an advisory role and helping and supporting in every way that she possibly can while still being an active athlete. And then, you know, myself being tied with the Whitecaps and and getting the Whitecaps in. And, you know, of course, for me, like super happy that the Calgary Foothills are in. Um, You know, I'm an Alberta girl. I live Mm -hmm. in Calgary. Um, So the excitement around that as well. Um, It's just a really exciting time for for this country. And, you know, all of our eyes are on soccer right now. Um, the the long-standing success of the women's team and then obviously the recent excitement and success around the men's team. It's no better time in this country than to to launch this. It, you're right. It's an amazing 24-month. Uh, you ladies in Japan last summer, it, that almost works to sort of sandwich it all together. I, I know it would have been lovely. Well, it'd be lovely not to have the pandemic. It would be lovely to have the Tokyo Olympics in their proper year. But you go from last summer 
to this winter with the men playing to next summer um, with the Olympic champs trying to go further in the World Cup in uh, in Australia, New Zealand. It's it's quite a two years. And then your league starting out soon after that. Yeah, exactly. It's it's an incredible time that we can be doing this. The momentum is there. Um, Canadian fans are, you know, behind the sport. They're supporting our players. And the thing we want to give them is the opportunity to support our women, not just once every four years or once every, you know, three and four years when they watch an Olympics and World Cup. I want them to have the opportunity to have this excitement and this joy around the sport and the support of, of our women's team week in and week out like they have the opportunity to do with so many of our Canadian men's players. Whether our men are playing in the MLS or in CPL teams, um, we've seen, you know, the opportunities that that has given to them. And we've seen players, you know, get their moment and show that they're ready through these leagues. And so to now have those leagues in place and and building on for our women, um, it's only going to give more players an opportunity to show, hey, I belong. Stephanie LeBay's our guest, Canadian Olympic gold medal winning goalkeeper. And she is the general manager of women's soccer for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Um, is there anything to learn from the success of the American League right now? When my wife and I lived in the States, um, I moved there summer of 99. So that's that's the big World Cup that really did put soccer uh, on the map. Brandy Chastain scoring against China in the shootout at the Rose Bowl, 110,000 people there. Um, and soon afterwards, a league started, but you could feel support start to slip a little bit. It didn't stick. Um, in a in a different era, naturally. Is there anything to learn from some of the leagues that are are doing well right now? Is there anything to learn from previous North American leagues that that couldn't sustain themselves? Oh, there's a ton to learn. Um, you know, we have the the chance to build from scratch and learn from everybody else's mistakes and things that they've done great. The biggest thing we can learn is investing in women's sports is an incredibly smart business decision right now. Um, we can learn from the United States in terms of the teams that are successful are the teams that play in big cities. They're not in suburbs. So making sure that we put that in place in our clubs, making sure the women's teams are playing in the heart of big cities, make it accessible. Um, we learn that the, the clubs that are the most successful are branded as their own. They're not branded um, looped in with their men's team. So, you know, you look at the Portland Thorns and Portland Timbers, um, the fact that they are separate and the women's team is able to be branded as their own is incredibly important in terms of marketing and sponsorship dollars um and we learned that you know angel city for example coming in when a club has a community focused player centered value system that is incredibly powerful for a club to come in and lastly with them women ownership women being in power and women leading women it's incredibly important and we've seen the success of that um in many many leagues and i think lastly we can learn from mistakes we can learn from safe sport i think that's the biggest thing that's come out in the past couple of years is um, the the problems and the structures that haven't been in place and the standards that haven't been set from the get-go. And we can do that from the start. That's something that we talk about all the time is to make sure that from the start, we get that right. Is this more important coming out of the pandemic than maybe at any other time? Um, you know, your playing career is over, but I, I can't imagine. I had to watch it with my 12 and 13-year-old who loves to play and plays competitively. But you probably can't imagine having a year and a half or a couple summers or a winter, you know, ripped away from your college career, ripped away when you were in high school. If they've left the pitch at all, we've got to get them back out. And maybe just maybe either people will go back out or they'll be, they'll remain committed to stay out there knowing this is just a, just a wonderful, wonderful achievement to someday play in your own country's pro league. 
Yeah, I mean, even before the pandemic, there is, you know, drastic numbers of girls that drop out of sport um, between the ages of 10 and 14. So that's a big target that we want to change. Um, and then you pile on the pandemic and that only, you know, increase those numbers. And so that's a huge thing that we want to do is inspire girls to continue to stay in sport, whether they see their dreams of being a professional soccer player or not. That doesn't matter. What we want is to have them continue to stay in sport, to believe in them themselves, to to build confidence and to find that community and feel like they belong somewhere, feel like they are included and um, and that they're valued. I think that's one you know major thing that sports does. And so the more girls that we can inspire to number one, stay in sport. And then at the same time, you know, give players an opportunity to keep playing. Right now, there's so many Canadian players that don't see a future. They don't see anything beyond college. And we want to change that. We want to change that, you know, from the, the age of, you know, 13, 14, 15, 16, they're maybe starting to get um, the chance to go out and train with a pro team, to be in those sessions. And by the time they're 19 or 20, they're already playing professional soccer like they are everywhere else in the world. You know, when we field a U20 team at the World Cup, our girls are coming from, you know, a three month season of playing in NCAA or in U sports here in Canada, and they're playing against full fledged professional players. You know, yeah. every other U20 national team from the around the world are professional players. So um, we have to change that and we have to change the way that our youth system is structured. Stephanie LeBay's our guest on Toronto today. Uh, last few minutes with you, two stats that really jumped off the page to me. I know you know them already, but I think for our, our audience would be fascinated by them of the top 20 FIFA ranked nations. We're the only one right now without a league. So it's not like the, you know, it's here, it's in this European country, but it isn't here. We're the only one. So we're long overdue. And the other one is 110 Canadian born players, or at least eligible for international play are playing abroad. And and Christine made this point the other day. If you get half those back to start, that's an amazing start to get 55 or 60 players sprinkled in an 18 league. And then it's, it's planting seeds. It'll grow. Exactly. And that's that number is so incredibly important. You know, there's so many people that question the viability of the league and, and the strength of the league. We attract those players to come back home like those players are professional players. They're playing in some of the best professional leagues around the world. We get them all back playing in Canada. That's going to increase the level of this league. We get our national team players back. You know, we get at least a minimum of one per team. That's going to in, um, increase the level of play. And then having that, that's going to attract international players. You know, our players go abroad and they go to these countries because they want to play with some of, I mean, firstly, because they don't have the choice to stay, but also, you know, because they want to play with some of the best. They want to play in the U.S. because the Americans are some of the best players in the world. They want to play in England because the English players are some of the best in the world. Same with France, Sweden, Germany. You know, we make those decisions because that's where the best players in the world are. Well, you know what? Canadians are some of the best players in the world. We won an Olympic gold medal. Who wouldn't want to play with Canadians? Like we get our Canadians all together. That's going to attract international talent. It's amazing to think about this. Could you, uh, I mean, could you have foreseen you being in this kind of role? Did Did you say there's something There's something about soccer it, that's absolutely coursing through me from head to toe? So when I make the hard decision not to play, I, I'd love to administrate. I'd love to do this. But the idea uh, to run a franchise in the, in the Canadian League, in, in a city like Vancouver, with, as you said, the Calgary Foothills in, it'd be a big rivalry team for you. Um, you'll avoid the media on those weeks, I'm sure. Um <laughs> You, 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 it's, it's probably the last few years, probably a lot of pinch yourself moments leading up to this. 
Yeah, I feel like those moments just keep coming and and keep happening. And um, it's a great time. I mean, you know, as a women's soccer player in this country, this is what we've been fighting for. This is what we've been trying to push the game to be. Um, you know, it's sad that I won't get the opportunity to play in this league, but to be able to be a part of it and see the joy on our Canadians' faces. Um, you know, I just picture that first year um, of our league in 2025 and being able to be, you know, on the sideline or in the stands and and seeing it happen, seeing the joy on those players' faces, seeing the joy on the fans' faces to finally be able to, to buy merchandise of their favorite players, to support them, to cheer for them, um, to buy season tickets. It's it gives me goosebumps to think about, but I'm so incredibly proud to be a part of it and, and proud to be part of an organization that supports this so much. All right. Before you go, the two thornier questions. One, um, Canada soccer. Um, there's been obviously a bit of a contentious relationship with the men and the organization, with the women and the organization. You come off the, the gold medal and, you know, little girls and boys want to buy LeBay jerseys. They want to buy Becky jerseys. Can't find them anywhere. The men have had their own disputes, obviously, uh, leading up to going to to Cutter in the last couple of weeks. Um, I know they they don't you know they don't run the league per se, um, but to sanction it and is is there a way to work in concert and iron out some of these issues? Are you hopeful that you can? Yeah, you know, Canada Soccer. It's not part of their um, their job description to to build and run a league necessarily. Um, as you said, they have to sanction it. So we will be working together with them um, with their support and and you know, apply for membership and get that sanctioning before the league kicks off. Um, that'll be a big part of it. Uh, and, you know, in terms of merchandise, those that has been a challenge. That's been a massive issue for women's national team players. And I know men's national team players as well. And um, that's something we want to get right with this league as well. Let's give fans the opportunity to buy merchandise to support their favorite clubs, their favorite players, and, and buy those jerseys with their best players' names on them. And last thing is uh, television. I'm sure you know how important it is. I think um, from watching, and you can imagine this house sold very big on uh, on amateur sport, women's sport as well with both of us. I think that's been a problem for the hockey leagues at times in Canada is games are playing, superstars are playing, but until the Olympics come around, nobody knows where to watch them. Nobody knows what, what month the league starts. Those are going to be really important things to be front and center and be, and, and not just for the players to be very media centric, but for people to know, how do I stream it? How do I see it? That I think that's helped the MLS a lot in the last 20 years with the access to games. Yeah, accessibility is huge. Um, you know, we want to, number one, put a product on the field that people are proud of and that's high quality. And with that, we also have to show it in a high quality way. Um, we want people to be able to walk into their neighborhood bars and restaurants and see the game on the TV. We don't want them to have to go into you know, their living room and pull up a computer and stream the game. Like this has got to be accessible to Canadians, whether they have internet or not, um, accessible to Canadians from coast to coast around the country, um, whether you're in a big city, rural, remote, it doesn't matter. We want this to be accessible to everybody and for everybody to be able to cheer on their favorite players. Thank you so much for the time. It's got to be incredibly exciting. Um, and I know we are here uh, in the GTA and we're selfish. We want to see as many Ontario teams as we can. I even heard Kitchener Waterloo today and I'm like, yes, or Durham region, yes, and Ottawa, yes. So, um, but we're seeing it right now in the uh, in the United States League. We're seeing a lot of people uh, pushing harder for more and more franchises. So, I, I don't. You're probably feeling like I'm feeling. I don't feel like this league's going to stay at eight teams very long. No, I don't think so. I think the excitement around it, the conversations we've been having already are incredibly, you know, optimistic. And there's so many people that want to be involved in different ways. And I think what's great is we're going to have a great mix of different types of ownership groups, whether it's MLS clubs, CPL clubs, um, brand new independent ownership groups. Um, I really hope we get some women led 
uh, ownership groups in there. And yeah, I think we're going to see, you know, maybe not the typical cities that you would expect. Um, and I think that's what's super exciting about this is we get to build from, you know, the 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 ground up and um, continue to add in some exciting clubs. Thanks so much for the time. This is obviously a, a big, big step forward. And uh, like I said, I think it checks a lot of boxes already for a recipe for success. You're going to be a big part of it. Thanks so much for the time here in Toronto today. Thank you so much.